Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Palindrome. That's my word of the day, nothing personal, it's a palindrome. That's when a word is the same backwards and forwards like dad or mom. The date of Super Bowl Sunday was a global palindrome. It was 02, February, 02, the second, 2020. When you put it the other way, it's 0202, 2020. First time in 900 years. The next one is in 101 years in 2020. 121, but the next one after that is the year 3030. So I just want to put this in a tiny bit of perspective. You will never see this again in your lifetime unless you're zero right now and you live to a buck one. Can you imagine in 1919, World War I, that was 101 years ago, the way the world has changed. When people look back 101 years from now in 2121, They'll look at the year 2020 the way we look at 1919. It's totally insane. I can't even think about the world in 3030. I I can't even imagine. Global palindrome, my favorite word. Forwards, backwards, global. Why global? Because Europe does the date, month, day. We do month, day. They do day, month. So it's a palindrome everywhere. I was focused on that while watching the Super Bowl. So Super Bowl Sunday to me is... uh, It's like a holiday, right? Now, whether you have to work or not is not really relevant because it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's, to me, the the three greatest words. So I'm watching the game, and I'm, I'm thinking about always one of the occupational hazards of my life is that I watch every game not as a fan anymore. I can't get back to just being a fan. I'm watching it from a perspective of a former team president. I'm watching it thinking, what is the front office doing right now? What are they thinking about? What are they watching when they see Patrick Mahomes, the first half, just not sharp? They're saying to themselves, of course not. This makes perfect sense to me. It's hard to be a second-year guy and win the Super Bowl. It's hard to become the second youngest player ever to win the Super Bowl. It's hard to win an MVP and a Super Bowl ring at the age of 24. You're thinking to yourself, this is fine. We're building. This is the Niners moment, a great season. We're ready to go. It brought me back to our postseason run where I was giving up as well when we were down in the series to the Cubs 3-1. to I was done. We were going to lose. But there was something about the Chiefs that as as a someone in the industry or as a fan, you don't realize what Patrick Mahomes has. And I didn't realize it until yesterday. And it had nothing to do with the fact that he had two great comebacks in the playoffs or that he's Pat Mahomes' son who I watched play and met. Pat Mahomes has a pulse rate of 60. That's what I love about him. When you look at him, my favorite type of player is the player whose face doesn't tell me the score. I don't want to know if I'm up five runs or down five runs, up two touchdowns or down two touchdowns. I don't want to be able to know anything from your face. 
We would have therapists work on this with players. You've got to maintain. You've got to be even keeled. You cannot get too up or too down. In baseball, especially where you play every single day. Football, I would think you should be able to get up and down because it's once a week. But the truth is, as I watch the game, Mahomes never looked dejected. It's almost as though when they were down 10 in the fourth quarter without the ball, that they were right where they wanted to be. Now, of course, that makes no sense because they needed a 21-point fourth quarter. If you didn't watch the game, you did watch the game, right? What I love is everyone watches the game, whether you're a football fan or not. We tried to copy that in baseball. It just it's, You can't copy it. Several takeaways I want to give you from this game. Number one, the big guy, Coach Andy Reid, the guy who was with Philly and then left Philly and then Philly won a Super Bowl, then went to Kansas City, longest tenured coach with the most wins without a Super Bowl, beloved by his players. He's the one who says when he goes to Miami, he wants to lose weight, and then he says he's going to eat cheeseburgers. He's going to Canton, as in the Hall of Fame. Two, Pat Mahomes, clearly, Lamar Jackson was the unanimous MVP of this season. Unanimous. I believe only the second unanimous MVP. Tom Brady, I think, was unanimous as well. However, Pat Mahomes is the face of the NFL. We talked about it quite a bit this during the NFL season. Why would you put all of your money on Pat Mahomes if you are Roger Goodell and the other owners? He's in a market that's not one of the big markets. As a matter of fact, I'm almost positive that Kansas is one of the smallest TV markets there is. Thank you. In case you're downloading this and listening to it, you have no way to watch what my face just did, so I'll describe it. I had this huge smile on my face. Obviously, if you don't get that joke, go on Twitter. If you do get it, I hope you're smiling. So Pat Mahomes in Kansas City, to be the face of the NFL, he's got to have three qualities. And he's got them all at 24. One, he has to have the ability to be great for a long period of time. Pat Mahomes right now is showing that he is going to have the type of career. He gets hit. This is a quarterback who we're going to have to teach him what it is to slide. Ironic that his dad did not teach him that. The way Pat Mahomes is getting hit during games, at 24, you can bounce back up. At 30 years old, you go to the hospital for a day and a half. At my age, you're just dead. The hits he's taking are ridiculous. If I'm the owner of that team, I'm cringing. I'm screaming. However, as the GM of the team, I don't want to take away what makes him so great. The fearlessness with which he plays football. The ability to get the extra yards, to know when he needs the extra yards for a first down. Commercials. The one thing that we have an issue with Pat Mahomes And only the one thing is we have to see whether or not he wants to be the face of football. Because to be the face, he's got to be willing to do the appearances, the commercials, the endorsements. He's got to be willing to sign the autographs, which I know I've seen him do. He learned from his dad. You have to do it all day, every day. You're not the face of the NFL on a Sunday. You're not the face of the NFL 16 days a year. You're the face every day. Who's the face of football right now, would you say? The face of football, I'd say it's probably Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is on his last legs. The commercial notwithstanding, which we're going to talk about. You saw his Hulu commercial. It's going to be next. It's going to be Pat Mahomes. What about the halftime show? 
I took my, I mean, listen, I'm from Miami. I say that now. I've lived here since 2002. To me, I'm from Miami. I was born in, I was born in Milwaukee, grew up in New York, but I'm from Miami. Although I really live in Fort Lauderdale, so I should say South Florida. People get upset when you say you're from Miami. Where do you live? Fort Lauderdale. Why don't you say Fort Lauderdale? It's like there's a, it's not as sexy to say you're from Fort Lauderdale. That's too spring breaky, right? Yes, I'm from the Sheraton Yankee Clipper on Fort Lauderdale Beach. I think I just aged myself. God, did I have some fun spring breaks in Fort Lauderdale. But yes, I feel like I'm from here. And that Super Bowl to me was Miami. That halftime show with J-Lo and Shakira. Everyone on Twitter, when I went on after the show, people were getting very upset about the sexual nature of it. People were getting all high and mighty saying, that was inappropriate. I got to cover my kids' eyes. I've got a quick thing for you parents out there. If you think that your kids are not watching things way, way, way more outrageous than the Shakira J-Lo halftime show, you got to get better parental controls. That's number one. Number two, it's Miami. If you are upset by the Spanish, then you simply don't understand what it is to be in Miami. You don't appreciate the diversity of the culture that we have here in South Florida. If there had been no Spanish sung or spoken during that halftime show, it would have been disingenuous. It would be like a Super Bowl in Utah without singing a song from the Book of Mormon. You just wouldn't do it. So of course we're going to have J-Lo and Shakira. Very upset that I didn't get the Mark Anthony wait to see right. But I, I, I want to get half credit because Emmy, their daughter, sung. So I feel like there was a family thing. So I'm watching the Super Bowl halftime show. It's tied at 10. All of the, everyone said it's going to go over. Everyone said it's Chiefs in the over. It was tied in the under. Everyone's in a panic. Bookmakers are going crazy. And I'm excited for the second half because I'm thinking it could be an overtime Super Bowl. That'd be exciting. Could be a last possession Super Bowl. Then the Niners just keep playing better and better. And the game's over. Except there were 10 minutes left. So the Chiefs are about to win. And all I'm thinking about as the Chiefs were up four points and then 11 points. By the way, a shout out to Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees. Aaron Boone predicted, actually, that the final score would be 31 to 20, Kansas City. He got it perfectly right. So I'm watching the end of the game, and I'm thinking about what's going on in their heads. I went right into sort of team mode. John Lynch, the GM of the Niners. He's in a suite, and then the Niners are about to win. He thought he comes down to the sideline. When the cameras showed him on the sideline, when the cameras showed Lynch on the sideline, I thought to myself, wow, he wants to start hugging. There's some game left, but he's, he's okay. The Niners are going to win. And all of a sudden, Mahomes scores. Lynch sort of slinks back. I've done this before. <clears throat> I've been in the clubhouse when we were going to win a game, and then we blow the save in the ninth. So I'm waiting in the clubhouse thinking the game's over, and we've got the win. And then it's a walk-off or it's a blown save, whatever the case is. All of a sudden, I have to sort of sneak into the back of the manager's office, right where he hangs his jockstrap. So I sort of stay there because right after a loss, you don't want to be around 
even after a win, you give him a few moments, but after a loss, you give him more. So John Lynch sort of steps back, and I'm thinking that Kansas City's about to win its first Super Bowl in 50 years. The Niners lost a chance for history to go from a team winning four games to winning the Super Bowl the next year, to be the third team to have six Super Bowls, to be maybe the greatest team ever, winning it with multiple coaches, multiple quarterbacks, different than the Steelers and the Patriots, who also have six. I'm getting ready for the show today to give you all sorts of items about San Francisco and the dominance of the Niners. And now I'm talking Chiefs. So what did the Chiefs front office have to do in those final moments? So this is what happens. I want to give you guys, and I appreciate, again, First of all, I hope you listened to the bonus pod this past weekend. All of your questions from rating and reviewing on Apple. If you give five stars and then you write a question, we're going to do a pod at the end of each month, which we did in January. We'll do one in February. But each day, we do a So You Want to Talk to Samson, which is at David P. Samson Twitter. You do a DM. And I got a question about the Super Bowl. This was actually given to me before we knew who was going to win. The question is, what does the front office do once you win the Super Bowl? So, so you want to talk to Samson. I appreciate the topic. It's a great one because it's not what you think. The thought is that you immediately go out partying and that you basically black out. Now, I left that to other people. Here's what I did and here's what the Chiefs did. So first, when you realize you're going to win, all these things are going through your head, and you have to put them in an order. Believe it or not, the first thing to deal with is the ceremony on stage when you're getting the trophy. Who's talking and in what order? And you make sure that you're communicating with your owner, you're communicating with the GM, with the coach, because there is a time limit that the networks give you. And there is a pecking order of who gets to speak first. So when the Cubs, when we won the pennant, it went owner and then me and then GM and then manager. But in the World Series, it went owner right to manager. And you have to know that there can be a difference and you have to be ready to adjust. And that is a decision that is being made right before you go on the stage. So while everybody is celebrating, confetti is raining down, You've won the Super Bowl. Actually, if you're the top, top guy in that organization, you're thinking about the trophy presentation. Then, the next thing you work on is the flight back to Kansas City. Now, you knew what your plan was. You had, hey, either way, this game is Sunday night. We are leaving Monday. If we win, we know we've got some press stuff to do Monday. We have to coordinate with the airport because we have to get the word out to the local radio stations and on social media so when the plane lands, it's met by fans. Then we call our community department who makes sure that fans come when the plane lands. So we get that photo of the, of the fans cheering and the media gets the, not the, uh, the announcement of when the plane is leaving and when it is landing. Then you coordinate small things on the plane. So, for example, on the plane after winning the World Series, you have World Series champions. You have a little tag on every seat that says World Series champions. You have a moment on the plane where you give a toast to your players because, believe it or not, the airplane home is the first time you're ever alone with your team after you win on the road. 
and Miami was the road team, was on the road for both Super Bowl teams. In the clubhouse, you're surrounded by media. On the field, you're surrounded by family and media. Some family comes in the clubhouse. It's a total zoo, but you're alone with your guys on the plane. We had families on separate planes. So you give a toast. You make sure that the catering is upgraded with special world championship food for the flight from Miami to Kansas City. This sounds crazy, doesn't it? But these are things that actually happen. You've got to make these decisions. You actually pay attention to what the menu will be for the flight back. And it will be different if you win the Super Bowl versus losing the Super Bowl. At least it was for us with the World Series. Next. The parade. We all think that we read an article that says the parade is coming Wednesday in Kansas City, Missouri. So that'll obviously be full of people from Missouri who cheer for the Chiefs in Kansas City. Do you think a parade just happens? Well, we know we just go. Well, here's what happens. In advance of a parade, there are conversations that you've had with your local elected officials. You have to negotiate a route. You have to negotiate who's paying for the off-duty police to work the route. You have to get vehicles to take all the players. Then you have to assign players to the vehicles. Then you have to order the vehicles. And I don't mean order them online. I mean figure out which players are in which vehicles in what order. You think players don't pay attention to the parade placement? I assure you they do. So this is a huge amount of legwork that goes in, pun completely intended. Once you have the route and you've got the money figured out who's paying for what, then you have to figure out the confetti. Confetti doesn't just happen, ticker tape parades. You figure out what buildings are going past, where, how that ticker tape will actually be and the confetti will be handed out to people in downtown buildings. These are such small, tiny things, right? Wait a minute. When the parade starts, there's a green room area where the players meet, where the vehicles meet. That area has to be secured big enough. There has to be media availability. There has to be food, catering for the players prior to the parade. Then when the parade's done, there is a rally. Do you think it's just happenstance, the order of people who speak at a parade rally? No, it's completely planned. It is completely political. If you've got a mayor who wants to speak, that mayor will get to speak. Sometimes you get the governor who wants to be a part of it. Next, you're working immediately on message points. In this day and age, one of the first questions, I didn't get this in 03, it was a guarantee we were going to the White House. This day and age, you've got to be ready for the media question. Number one, are you going to the White House? Number two, what did you do last night? You've got to be ready to answer. What did you do in Miami after winning the Super Bowl? We saw Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid had to do, according to our main man, Rube, they had to do an 8.30 a.m. press conference as the winning coach and the MVP. That's called cruel after you win. So all of this is going on the day you win, the night you win. I didn't go to sleep after winning the World Series until all of this stuff, that immediate stuff was taken care of. Then... Do I go out partying all night as team president? No. I went back to the hotel and watched. If CBS Sports HQ would have been around, that's what I would have watched. We ended up watching another channel with sports highlights, looking at ourselves 
winning the World Series. You think players and owners and presidents don't do that? They do. When you are highlighted as the World Series winner or the Super Bowl champion, you're watching game highlights. You're celebrating the fact, oh, my God, that's us. Look at that. We're in the clubhouse. That's us spraying champagne without goggles. That's what I did that night. Players, on the other hand, families, fans, they were partying all night. Next thing you have to deal with, you actually have to start designing the Super Bowl ring. We started doing that the day after we won, before even the parade. First, you have to get bids from different companies. Different jewelers will contact you. You don't have to do a thing. You sit at your desk, and the phone rings the next day. Email, phone, whatever it is, from whether it's Tiffany or Justin's or Intergold. These are all companies who make rings. You have to get bids. Then you have to figure out who's getting rings. There's talk, should Alex Smith get a ring? Do you think Alex Smith will just get a ring or just not get a ring? He was the quarterback before Pat Mahomes. This is all decided by a ring committee that the owner assigns. It was me and Larry Beinfest were the ring committee for the Marlins in 03. He was the uh, president of baseball ops when we won in 2003 or the GM, whatever his title was. Our ring rules, that's a whole nother pod. Our ring rules were like 40 deep. So you've got to think about the rules, who's getting rings, the design, who's going to get the contract to make the rings. That's all happening in the immediacy because you've got to get those rings ready because guess what? Here's the last thing and the worst part about winning the Super Bowl or the World Series. Next season starts today. Today. The rest of the field has had an extra, in some cases, month, in some cases, two weeks. You are behind. It is a horrific offseason. It's rushed. It feels rushed. It's shorter. You have to make personnel decisions. You have to decide, are you letting Sammy Watkins walk? He said during media coverage of Super Bowl 54, he said, we got to pay Mahomes. There's no way they're going to be able to pay me. I'll just take my talents elsewhere and try to win a Super Bowl with another team. Watkins actually said, by the way, I am going to go to another team if we win a Super Bowl. He was that sort of serious about it. And so for me, I am immediately planning next year in the team. Who do we have to trade? I knew we had to trade Pudge Rodriguez. I knew we could not re-sign him. He was going to be a free agent and done after one year, so we needed another catcher. I knew immediately that we couldn't afford Derek Lee, who was our first baseman. We were going to have to trade him. So these realities set in for executives in moments. It is the worst part about seeing how the sausage is made. You stop eating hot dogs. I tried to be a fan yesterday. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. The other thing I, I think about all the time is Miami watching the Super Bowl, the business of the Super Bowl, thinking about how it sort of worked. It's interesting to me, right? Do you know when you're bidding for a Super Bowl, because tons of cities bid for it, and the NFL negotiates, there's something called a bid package, and it's hundreds of pages of documents. When you are bidding for a big event like a Super Bowl, a World Baseball Classic, even a concert, a one-off concert, you're bidding to host it. To host the Super Bowl, you have to know in advance, as an example, how many hotel rooms are available? What's the rate at every hotel room? 
what is the exact route that player buses will take from the airport to the team hotel, from the team hotel to the facility? How will we get the broadcasters from the hotel to the facility? How will we get the pregame broad announcers and broadcasters from one set to the other? How will we get fans to and from the fan experience? I could go on for 20 more minutes about things that are required in a bid, but think of every tiny detail that's involved and realize that if you're going to be a host city, you have to pay. And this got a lot of attention, except the attention was on the business community. Fans weren't really focused on this until something happened last night after the Super Bowl. What is it that fans think about the most, right? They think about their own pocket, and they think about their own convenience. Those are the two biggest things. One, how much will a ticket cost? How much will a hotel cost to me, including fees, including taxes? How will I get to the Super Bowl? It's easy. Take a ride share, Uber, Lyft. Guess what happened after the Super Bowl? Thousands of fans stranded, taking hours, hours to get out of Pro Player Stadium. Hard Rock Stadium, excuse me. Fans' last taste of Miami Super Bowl last night was completely negative. But then something happened. Then they got their car, they got their ride, and they ended up in Miami or Fort Lauderdale. And then they forgot about anything negative. Because Miami and South Beach and South Florida is the single greatest city in the world to host a Super Bowl. It's got everything you'd want from owners down to 21-year-old partiers. The owners get to bring their yachts. Did you see Jerry Jones's yacht in Minnesota when they hosted the Super Bowl? They've got 10,000 lakes, except his yacht wouldn't fit on any of them. Owners love coming to Miami. Players, you've got yourself a winner. You think they have a hard time getting award winners or the NFL Top 100 to get to Miami? Now, you'll tell me that some of those NFL Top 100 would have gone anywhere. Miami's an easy sell. Fans, is it a surprise to you that the average ticket price for the Super Bowl yesterday was the second highest, reportedly, in history? Because you've got Chiefs fans and Niners fans. The Chiefs fans travel. Niner fans, I thought that they were completely outdone by the Chiefs fans, but when everyone's wearing red, it's sort of hard to tell. And when the win is in the Chiefs' favor, it certainly looks more unbalanced. But the fact is, you need to be able to be in a city where people want to travel. I love Minnesota, and I love Dave St. Peter, the president of the Twins. I have friends in Minnesota. I love the Midwest. But you sit in a room with 32 owners or sit in a room with 500 players and try to convince them that that's the right place to host a Super Bowl, it's laughable. It should be in Miami every year. I guess you could bring it to LA, maybe. Vegas, can you imagine a Super Bowl in Vegas? They're gonna have one. I wonder if that's been announced. Coca, this is your cue. Has any Super Bowl been awarded to Vegas or LA yet? Which ones? Soon? He's talking to me right now but very slowly to the point that his fingers are slowly typing. Where is next year's Super Bowl? It's Tampa. Where's the 2022 Super Bowl? I'm going to Tampa next year. I love Tampa. That's an easy sell for owners too. Water, boats, 
great nightlife. So, I'm done with football. Is that it? Is that it? No, it's not. $5.6 million per 30-second commercial. Five to $6,000 to get in to see the game. Average hotel rate in the hundreds of dollars. Transportation time over 40 minutes when people realize from Kansas City that Pro Player Stadium is not located near water. L.A. is in 2022, so we get Tampa, then L.A. two years in a row. I think it's going to be a long time before you see see a cold weather Super Bowl again. And I think that it will be only a matter of time before Vegas. they got to make sure that ballpark and stadium is open. But the Super Bowl brings a huge economic benefit to the community, except it's not measurable. I want to end this football segment by telling you that I spent a lot of time getting studies of economic impact and how great it is to host big events. But I could easily have gotten a study to show me there's zero economic impact and that it's negative, actually. And the reality is that with the amount of money that the public has to pay the NFL to host a Super Bowl, that it is not worth it. But then the Chamber of Commerce people look at the beautiful pictures of people in bikinis and swimsuits and water and sand and beach and beautiful weather for getting the rain Friday night. Perfect Super Bowl weather. And they say, this is it. This is, we budget for this. It's a Chamber of Commerce day is what we call it. I believe that events should come to cities regardless of what it costs the city. A lot of complaining that we could have funded schools or first responders or teachers. All of that is true. However, in order to keep other revenue up, tourist revenue, general tax-based revenue by companies coming here and doing business, you've got to show your community out as a community, as a destination community. Miami did it. Congratulations. Okay, I want to do the uh, top five Super Bowl commercials. I love the commercials, and I wanted to give you a list of, uh, everyone does a list, but mine is better. The fifth best Super Bowl commercial for me was the Rocket Mortgage with that guy, Jason Momoa, who's married to Zoe Kravitz's mom, Lisa Bonet, who was the daughter on The Cosby Show. And he's this sort of really buff guy. And as a guy who's a buck 35, depending on the time of day, I was semi-offended by this commercial where he's this strong guy and then he comes home at the end of the day and becomes this weak guy. Well, what if you're that guy all day long and you don't get to look like Jason Momoa without using needles? Yeah, it's still one number five. Fourth best commercial, Doritos, Sam Elliott. By definition, when you put Sam Elliott and little Nas X in a commercial together, it's a winner. And when you have Sam Elliott dance, even though it wasn't Sam Elliott, and you have them in a dance-off instead of using guns to shoot as the biggest anti-gun guy you'll ever hear. Anytime we can use music, I'm in. Great one. Third one. How did they get Chris Evans, John Krasinski, and, oh God, Batch is her name, to do, and Poppy, to do the smart pack from Hyundai? It's so hard to talk. Think of Ben Affleck in the town. Think of their Boston accents, right, when they pack at the park. That's the only word I can say with the Boston accent is park. So smart park. I guess I can say smart. Uh, I ran with the, the, uh, one of the guys from Triple Seven, Seven Marathons in Seven Days on Seven Continents, is the race director for the Boston Marathon. He's the most accomplished runner I've ever known. Dave McGilvery, he's a superstar. 
I crossed the finish line in Antarctica with him as part of this race. He has the biggest Boston accent, and every time he talks, I just I, it, it sounds like he's missing letters all the time. And Hyundai said we're going to make a commercial, and they hit it out of the ballpark. Number two, the NFL 100. I'm getting a lot of arguments about that because they showed Pat Tillman's statue, and that was against the wishes of the family. That's a huge demerit, the fact that they included that in the commercial. That said, the commercial of the boy running, who happens to be a future NFL player, shockingly, I can't remember the kid's name, but I think he's 12 and he's already being recruited to be a college or pro player. He takes the ball, runs through it. There's a ton of people in the commercial. I thought it was emotional and perfect. And then it ends with all sorts of kids on the field wearing the jerseys of all 32 teams. Number two, top commercial, period. No argument. Stop it. Stop it. You get Bill Murray in a commercial. I went and bought a Jeep last night. I did. Not. But I love that commercial. Bill Murray has a sense of humor. He doesn't take himself too seriously. They got the guys to film. They got Ned Ryerson back. By the way, Ned Ryerson, I have a hard time looking at Ned Ryerson as Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. He's also the racist in Mississippi Burning. Talk about a character actor who can be both. That was my top commercial. And then, of course, you can't do the top without the bottom. I got to do it. J-Lo, I gave you props for your halftime show. It was unreal. I mean, it was perfect. You're perfect. The commercial you did with A-Rod and the Hard Rock Casino, they're so celebrity-starved at Hard Rock, they want to so badly have the top celebrities in their commercials. They spent so much money on it. They had DJ Khalid, A-Rod. They had all these stunts and special effects. They were showing off their new casino in... Uh, it's not in Miami, it's in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, and it's the Hard Rock Casino that's shaped like a guitar. I get why they did it. I get why they spent the money. I just, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. That was a dud to me. That was a dud. So, did you think the Trump interview was a dud? What's your thought on that? So, during the pregame, presidents have been interviewed every Super Bowl. That, that happens, right? Obama was interviewed. It's normal. What I didn't really like was the word association game that Sean Hannity played with Donald Trump. It just led to negativity. He mentioned only people, obviously, who he knew would help with ratings on Fox, who would get a big response. So I was watching that interview, thinking about Roger Goodell watching that interview, thinking about the NFL and the deal you do when you get rights fees, when a network pays you to show the Super Bowl, guess what? The network has a lot of power. Can't wait for CBS in Tampa. Anyway, I, I want to play a word game to show you how uncomfortable Roger Goodell was. And I want to show you what it could have been like if this had been an interview with Roger Goodell instead of President Trump. So I'm going to interview Roger Goodell, and I'm going to say, Roger, I want to do word association. I'm going to say something. And I want you to tell me the first word that comes to your mind. And here we go. We're going to start. Chiefs. New name. Imagine Roger Goodell actually being honest about the first thing that comes to his mind the way President Trump was. He wants the Chiefs to have a new name, I guarantee it. Next. Roger. Niners. Kaepernick. Of course, Kaepernick. Do you know the amount of time that Roger Goodell has spent on Colin Kaepernick? 
He doesn't associate it with John Lynch or the Super Bowl or a winning franchise or Bartolo or York or Walsh or Seifert or Montana or Rice. Kaepernick. Jerry Jones. Compensation. <laughs> That's a funny one. He would think when he sees Jerry Jones, do you know the commissioners get paid by owners? Jerry Jones has more to do with Roger Goodell's compensation than any other owner. You say Jerry Jones, he thinks compensation. Union, CBA, his word, no problem. Isn't that amazing? That's a segue to what we're talking about next with the NFL CBA. He actually would say it. If he had an honest serum, it would be no problem. Last one. Roger Goodell, what's the first thing you think about when I say Miami? And he looks at the camera, he smiles, and in an inclusive way, he says, perfecto. That's how an interview could have gone. Instead, we had name calling. I was offended by the Bloomberg stuff, not because I'm in favor of Bloomberg and not in favor of Trump or the other way around. He was upset about a box that Bloomberg, he said, is short. Bloomberg is three inches taller than I. What's wrong with a box? Sometimes you have to stand on something. I'm moving on. NFL CBA. It's off season. We got to talk about it. Are you worried about a strike? Don't be. Worried about a lockout? Wrong sport. Not going to happen. The NFL is on the program. The NFL knew immediately what they needed to do. They knew their players wanted more money. The NFL said, we'll give you more money. Remember what I've taught you. If I've taught you one business lesson, if you make me raise the price of my hamburgers because I have to pay more to buy organic meat or that the drivers delivering my lettuce are charging me more, you think I'm going to make less profit? Hell no. I'm increasing the price of my hamburgers. If the NFL players think they're going to make more money, you think it's coming out of owner's pockets? Of course not. They're going to add a 17th game, and it's coming out of your pocket. When your season tickets go up because you have to buy a ninth home game every other year. When your season tickets go up or your cable rates or your streaming rates go up because there's an extra week of games that your team is playing. When the TV networks have to pay more to the NFL because there's a 17th game. That's who's paying for it. Networks. People not owners. So when Roger Goodell and Word Association says union, no problem, he knows he's giving the players 48% of revenue. He's increasing the amount of money. He's increasing playoff shares. He's increasing playoff teams. He's hitting all the buttons that players want. Sure, some of them are complaining about health and being concussed for an extra week. Believe me, those arguments will not win the day. There will be a new CBA, and it will have 17 games in it. How do I know that for sure? Because here's how it works in the NFL, and it's, it's great. There's something called an executive committee, a board executive committee. It's made up of very well-known good players. They negotiate. These players are negotiating a deal with the NFL negotiators. But that's not how a deal passes. It then has to go to a committee. The committee in the NFL is comprised of 32 players. Yes, that's one player per team. Yes, that's the board rep of each team. Do you know how the Marlins would pick board reps? I'm going to tell you something. This is not going to go over well. 
Coco, hold on to your knickers. The way the players would choose the board rep in Miami, it was like a booby prize. It was given to the person they liked the least. It was a punishment. It was like hazing. You think I'm wrong? I'm not. I've been there. The NFL has 32 engaged player reps. The NFL will take a vote, those 32 reps. And the NFL, for those 32 reps, two-thirds of them must approve the CBA that is presented by the Board Executive Committee. The Board Executive Committee presents a CBA they've negotiated to the 32 player reps. They vote. If two-thirds of those players vote, then it goes to the players. And every player gets to vote. You only need a simple majority. You need 50.01% of players, of active players. And then you've got a CBA. But the fix is in. Because if the committee, the board of 32 reps passes it, when you are the board rep of a team, you call your players. Hey, this is the deal. Are you in or are you out? You think that happens in baseball? You think that all 25 guys, 40-man roster guys, are being called by the player rep? Do you think all 53 NFL players are being called by the NFL team rep before they vote or he votes? No. They call some leaders on the team, tell them what's happening, and get an idea whether a majority of the teammates would vote in favor. And then those players actually speak to their agents before they decide. The NFL will get a CBA because the NFL is giving to get. We're going to keep a close eye on MLB, but NFL is in the clear. Okay, I gave you guys prop bets. Uh, Just so you know, the prop bets were winners. We won six out of eight. If you listen to my last eight shows, we had prop bets. First team to score wins. I said no, and we got 150. We bet 100. We won 150. We won it. First kickoff will be a touchback. I said no. And we got 165. We won that too. First team penalized for holding. I said Niners. We lost it. We lost a buck 15 there. Don't panic. Because we were willing to risk 400 for a missed extra point. Did you do it? Did you risk 700 to win 100 on going under 76? I did. Won 100 for both of those. Will the score be tied after 0-0? Hell yeah. 10-10. Won that. Now. Demi Lovato did not mess up the national anthem. That hurt. We were going to win 375. We only lost 100. Was there a penalty of more than 15 and a half yards? Who remembers it? Who was panicked about that? We were given 250 to win 100 on the penalty of more than 15 and a half yards. Did you bet it? Were you waiting for the defensive pass interference that I told you was coming? It came at the end of the game. We went 6-2 and two and won $450. Second, we picked the Chiefs. Did you? We won. Second, third, we picked Mahomes to win the MVP. Did you? We got paid on that. And third, as for fun, we said Mahomes will lead a game-winning drive in the final minutes of the fourth quarter. If you listened carefully, and I appreciate that you did, I said the final two minutes, which makes me a loser for that. Luckily, the only thing available was the final minutes. I'm taking credit. Who am I taking today? Well, both teams in this game have the South Beach Super Bowl flu because the 76ers were at the Super Bowl last night, and so were the Heat. 
And the question is, who's got the younger team? Who's going to be able to handle the South Beach Super Bowl flu the best? I think it's the Sixers plus two and a half. I think you've got Embiid coming off a one for 11 game, maybe his worst game as a pro. The last time he had a bad game, he came back and helped cover, and he went over in his personal points. I like the Sixers minus two and a half. Ah, plus two and a half, excuse me. Okay, we got a few wait to seize to get to. Wait to seize is what I do at the end of every show. I didn't get to do my reviews. I had a review of the top five football movies. We're going to get to that. I don't think we'll get to it today, though, because I got to do the wait to seize because the accountability part, when you listen to my show, you know it ends with accountability. You know for sure that I'm going to tell you when I'm right or when I'm wrong. I was sure Mark Anthony would appear at the halftime show. I'm taking half credit for the fact that his daughter did. I told you eight weeks ago when this show first started, one of my earliest wait to sees, when the Niners and the Patriots were undefeated and everyone was saying, this is your Super Bowl champion, one of these two teams, I told you neither one of those teams would win the Super Bowl. I almost lost that, but I didn't. Now, my wait to see today, it shouldn't even be a wait to see, but it is. It's an honor to go to the White House, no matter who the president is, no matter what your political feelings are. The White House stands for something greater than the current president. The White House stands for this country. It is what makes this country great, having this house in our capital that says we are the strongest nation and the best nation. The highlight, whether I like George Bush or not, Going to the White House and being with George Bush as a World Series champion, I'll never forget it. The Chiefs will go to the White House. I guarantee that. One of the things I love about this show is all the contact I have with all you listeners, people watching. And someone contacted me, and I promised I would make a correction. Sometimes I like to sing on a show. And one show I sang, we're not going to take it. No! We're not going to take it. And I said that was quiet riot. That's come on, feel the noise. We're not going to take it as twisted sister. I got that wrong. So even when you're dealing with me, I'm okay to tell you. You can tell me when I'm wrong because I know it's always business. It was nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.